Now is the time to celebrate. Football is finally back, and DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, has millions of reasons why you should be excited. To kick off the football season, DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at a $1 million top prize, with a total of $3 million up for grabs for this Thursday's football contest. Getting in on Thursday night's single-game showdown is easy. All you have to do is download DraftKings using promo code Maze, M-A-Y-S. Draft six players from the season opener. Stay under the salary cap and see how your team stacks up against the competition. So, head to the app now to start making it rain. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using code Maze will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game like having a shot at a million-dollar payday. So download DraftKings app now and use code MAZE. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize and $3 million in total prizes. Don't miss this extra special week one bonus. Enter code MAZE to get a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's code Maze, M-A-Y-S, only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another day of Two Man Advantage, the podcast, the Thursday morning edition. Oh my gosh, what drama in Edmonton in the Eastern Conference Final last night. And to unpack that and all things hockey, a great treat this morning, A.J. Malesko, longtime NBC analyst, MSG Networks, two-time Olympic medalist. And the great thing, A.J., I've got you trapped. You're in your car you're headed so tell me where you are headed from and where you're headed to this morning uh well good morning thanks for having me i am on uh 91 route 91 in connecticut traveling from manhattan the msg network studios where i uh, called the game or did the pre and post game last night for the islanders and then i'm heading back home to massachusetts uh, and i'll be back in new york tomorrow so it's a quick turnaround but it's the first day of uh, school first week of school for my four kids Four different schools, four different COVID programs, so it's a little complicated. Good. That's good planning by you. It's good that you couldn't get them all in one area, I suppose, because it's good to have that variety of schedules and COVID things. And so that's good. It's good to build up a good challenge at the start of the school year. Right. Degree of difficulty, right? We don't want to keep anything boring. Got to keep it exciting. (laughs) Well, AJ, just before we get into the actual hockey as it unfolded, what's your summer been like? I mean, I've been listening almost daily, sometimes twice daily, to uh, your analysis uh, of the NHL playoffs, but you've done some you some studio work, you've done MSG. Give us a, a rundown on what your summer's been like with the return to play. Uh, well, this, there were two different summers, right? The first part with where I was uh, the tail end of quarantine and then so excited as most of us were to have hockey back and the return to play and phenomenal job by the NHL and by the NHLPA to come to terms on this and to give all of us fans this wonderful sport back. 
Um, so starting August for well, actually starting a little bit before because I did the exhibition game for the Islanders. I guess it was July 28th. Made my way down to Stamford, Connecticut, and did a combination of in-game analysis for NBC games, uh, all different series, both Edmonton, Toronto. I did some studio work for NBC, and then I did the studio work that I've done the last two years with MSG Networks in Manhattan, which is about an hour drive from Stanford. So it was uh, it was great, and I'm not complaining. It was very busy, very um, chaotic on some days, trying to get into Manhattan for maybe a noon game and then get back out for either a 6.30 start or occasionally uh, those 10.45 puck drops, which for the mother of four is not necessarily in my wheelhouse, but a lot of coffee and exciting sport kept kept me awake. <laughs> well, we've had various times during the pause, and certainly after the return to play, we had uh, Keith Jones on, we had Patrick Sharp on, and my sense is that that there was kind of your own broadcast bubble. And if you were staying uh, near the studios in Connecticut, to, and especially early on when there were, you know, games starting midday and going till late, late at night. And I wonder what that was like and maybe what some of the challenges were in, you know, staying staying at the top of your game in, in the midst of all that. Well, you know, it is hard. Broadca- broadcasting is a timing game, right? And it's reps and doing it and f- after four or five months off, jump right back in the saddle. And August 1st, I jumped in with two games right off the bat. Felt a little rusty just based on the fact that I've, I'd really only talked to my family up until that point um, for the last couple months. But it's, you know, a, living in the hotel down there, being in the world of of the broadcasters and the production people it was amazing I mean it was fun certainly challenging being away from my family um, challenging in the sense of not calling the games from on site and uh, again we all do what we need to do here in this pandemic times but it is a very strange thing to call a game off a monitor not be in the arena not be able to pick and choose what I want to look at I'm at the whim of the camera operators based on what they show me I can't really ask for replays those sorts of things but you know at the same time I don't want to complain because it was so wonderful to have the NHL back I I just I mean must be so interesting for everyone involved in the product um, because it is so unusual but I'm wondering how you how you've managed to make it sound so seamless. And I wonder if there's a way of, you know, whether it's John Forsland or Kenny Albert, who's doing the play-by-play, or Pierre Maguire in the, you know, seemingly every day, all games in Edmonton between the glass and, of course, Brian Boucher doing the same thing in Toronto. Is Was there a, a way or a, um, a mechanism for making it sound as seamless as it did, AJ? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I give credit to everybody you just mentioned and, frankly, all the production people that you don't know behind the scenes. Um, I think that NBC does a fantastic job of putting together a great teams. And for the most part, all of us have worked together before. And usually when we do work together, we're on site, whether I'm right next to Kenny or I'm in between the benches and John Forslund's up top or whatever it is. It's very different uh, in the last couple games since Kenny did make his way to Edmonton, for example. He'd be up high in Edmonton. Pierre would be down next to the benches and I'd be in Stanford. So to have a three-person booth where all three of us are in different locations certainly uh, you know, presents different challenges. And it presents uh, at Cadence, you're trying to read off each other. There was a slight delay with the feed coming into Stanford. So there were a couple times that Kenny and I stepped on each other. And, uh, you know, it kills me to step on any of those guys, Forslund, Kenny, Doc, whoever I'm working with. 
because they're all just so good at their jobs that's the last thing I want to do but with that sort of half second second delay it changes it and so you know we learned to sort of I had to back out a little bit earlier before the puck dropped usually I could maybe take a couple seconds after the puck drop to finish my thought and then the play-by-play can take over so there were certainly adjustments that that I had to make um, but overall, I think, you know, it sounded seamless to you. That's great news. Uh, there were some that were more seamless than others, like like when I was playing. You know, some games were, games were better than others. It's the same in broadcasting. But I do give a ton of credit, mostly to the play-by-play. I think they carry it. Um, and I think Forsland and, and Kenny are two of the best, and obviously Doc, too. So they just they, they put a good team out there, and um, I'm lucky enough to follow along. So... You're not supposed to step all over your broadcast partner. You see, for years with Pierre Lebrun, I've been trying to interrupt him as often as possible. So this is all new. Anyway. There you go. Tips. Yes. And I'm I'm making note to self. Um, AJ, let's get to the the actual action last night. And I I went back and I watched the final 30 seconds or so again. And honestly, it's still... It just still is almost unbelievable to me the way Game 2 of the East Final ended up last night. Of course, the Islanders playing, I I thought, maybe one of their best games of the playoffs, and I think I'd seen every single one of their tilts, and could not put Tampa away. Five on three, couldn't couldn't make uh, hay with that. Five-minute power play when Alex Cologne was ejected for his uh, hit on Brock Nelson. Couple chances late. And with 8.8 seconds left, Nikita Kucherov, after several other chances by the Lightning, put it away in 2-1 for the Lightning in Game 2. And now they're up 2-0 in that series. And you know that Islander team so well. And I wonder what was going through your mind uh, as you were getting ready to do the post game. Uh, maybe you thought you were waiting for a long playoff night or a post overtime night, but it didn't happen that way. I wonder what you thought and, and, and how you unpacked that game. Well, I was sitting watching the game, and I kicked my shoes off, and I hadn't even put my shoes on because I was sure we were going to overtime. So you're absolutely right about that. Um, You know, it was hard to watch doing the Islanders broadcast, right, because I know that we're talking in the postgame to Islanders fans, and that was a backbreaker for them. Um, I think it hurt a lot more than the 8-2 loss in Game 1, only because they did play so well. 8-2 loss wasn't them. That wasn't the Islanders. They had had an emotional Game 7. They had traveled out to Edmonton the next day, and then the next day had Game 1. And none of them were making excuses, but it's hard not to look at that schedule and think, no wonder they didn't have legs. No wonder they were they were struggling a little bit in that first game. And then they show up in game two playing Islanders hockey. Play, the details, the forecheck, all those things that they do so well. Rolling the four lines, getting a goal out of that fourth line with Matt Martin, uh, Casey Zekas, and, and Cal Clutterbuck. And that's what they're known to do. So, you know, I think for the Islanders to not be able to pull that game out, especially as you mentioned, Alex Kalorn after three shifts gets uh, game misconduct. And then Braden Point comes back, doesn't come back for the second period, comes out, takes a shift or two, and then they lose him for the game with an undisclosed injury. And, and that's a huge loss. I mean, he's a, a front runner for the con Smythe, depending on how the Lightning do. So um, they obviously have a lot of talent and a lot of depth. So losing one guy over there isn't, isn't as big a deal as maybe some other teams Um, but I think for the Islanders what I thought of in that last 30 seconds when I was watching it 
I I just kept thinking what what happened to those in that 30 seconds that wasn't them and it goes to show how hard playoff hockey is you let your guard down you take a mental break for 30 seconds and look what happens you're now in a two nothing hole and that's what it was they were in the middle of a change they have Andy Green and Ryan Pollock out there that's a mixed up D partner uh, you know they three uh, lightning lightning find themselves all alone in front of Arlamov and Kucherov finally puts it in but if you give that team three point blank chances and all that time and space they are bound to score so uh, you know I think it was very very disappointing um, as a hockey fan it was awesome to see John Cooper's response and reaction on the bench. I don't know if you saw that, but, uh, you know, I mean, that's the emotion that I don't think he's one to show emotion. So as a fan of this sport and understanding what these all these athletes are going through, you know, you see the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat and the faces and the body language of these guys. But, yeah, I mean, for the Islanders, I think that's a, that's going to be a tough one. And, and right now it's going to be a huge challenge. Look in the mirror. They're down to nothing. And they liked their response from the 8-2 loss in game two. How are they going to respond to that loss? That's the big question. What do they do? How do they come out? Are they defeated? Or are they able to show a little more fight and, and play that that first period? They outshot them 13-4. to Bring some of that back and see how long they can sustain it. Yeah, it was, uh, like, honestly, and maybe that's what, the best way to describe it is, you know, as a hockey fan and you understand you know the, the the all the clichés about playing to the final whistle all those kinds of things and i in my heart of hearts i have to believe like you, like me, maybe the Islanders were already thinking about overtime, and and I really like their chances going to overtime. As you point out, the Lightning uh, down to three forward lines, and maybe that really would have favored. I think the Islanders going to extra time, and and man, they just they had that letdown, and it was great. And what a pass by Ryan McDonough to find Nikita Kucherov wide open on the side. Uh, I'm curious though, because this strikes me, and and you alluded to it, AJ. This this Islander team now is going to have to dig deep and get over first the disappointment of being waxed in game one, which they did, but then letting this game slip away. They were the better team, probably earned a better fate than they got. But under Barry Trotz, to me, if there's one team that has the wherewithal to step back into a series like this, it's the New York Islanders. Do you buy that? Or maybe it's just Tampa too good, and maybe they're the team of destiny this summer. I know that was an either or question, but I think it's somewhere in between because I do think Tampa Bay is just really good. I mean, they are strong. They're deep. They put some important pieces together at the deadline. You know, you, you when we do the scouting report after game seven win against Philadelphia, we did a scouting report and up on the screen in the Islanders broadcast, we put uh, Braden Point, Kucherov and Vasilevsky. And I'm like, how do you put how do you not have headmen up there, right? I mean, you don't even have space on the screen for all of their superstars. So, you know, I think there's that, and I think that, but I do think that the way Barry Trotz has these guys buying into his system and that's a phrase we keep saying over and over but he's got this structure he's got this system and he understands that he doesn't have the superstars that Tampa Bay has and they have to buy into it as a team and they have to dig deep and and to, last night I thought they showed a lot more grit it was a little bit more of a physical game not like we were seeing in the western final because I think that's a much heavier series but it was it was a physical game there was a there was grit you have you know that again that fourth line going in the line you uh, going to the corners rather you have Andrew Lee stepping up and being big in front of the net. Um, you have, I think that that's important, and I do think that Barry Trotz pushes the right buttons. And it's been fascinating to see his goalie rotation, who he goes with on any given night. I thought he was going to go with Grice last night. Um, and Varlamov was fantastic, but I don't think he was really tested because the Islanders played better in front of him than they did in Game One in front of both of them. 
uh, you know, putting Ladd back in the lineup last night and sitting Broussard. Do we see Broussard back? You know, there are all these different things that Barry Trotz is, is a, like a chess master, master, the way he's operating his bench and his lineup. So I do think that they have that they can do it. It's just a matter of how, like last night, is that what it is? Do they push and push and push, have their, one of their best games of the postseason and just fall short because every mistake they make, Tampa Bay seems to capitalize on it. And that's the difference. Uh, Islanders had a lot of chances last night and then they didn't capitalize. They either missed the net or they hit, you know, two in game one, Beauvillier hits the post or the crossbar on a power play. Nelson had a couple breakaways, right? There are these chances that had they gone in, the momentum of the game may have changed, but they're not capitalizing, whereas Tampa Bay, you give them an inch, and they take it, and, they, and then some. So, it, you know, I, I do think that this next game, clearly it doesn't take an analyst to know that this next game is pretty critical. Well, that's. I think you are absolutely right. I'm. I've been fascinated by all of it, and I do want to. You alluded to the Western Conference Final. Uh, I would like to to keep you on the line for just a moment. We're going to take a brief break, and we'll come back and get some final thoughts from AJ Malesko, and uh, we'll touch on the Western Conference Final. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. The Premium Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package Kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. The Manscaped Anti-Chafing Cooling Boxer Briefs might be one of the best parts of this package. The waistband is super elastic to reduce chafing and rubbing. And if you pair these boxer briefs with their pH balancing liquid products like the Crop Preserver, you're ready for anything. So, get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. From the moose to the caboose, always use the right tools for the job. AJ, you've watched a lot of the, the, the Western arm of the playoffs as it's unfolded and uh, having spent a season in Dallas myself I've been very curious about how the stars would respond there have been lots of ups and downs for them this postseason uh, but I thought we really started to see Vegas hitting their stride after a pretty lackluster maybe fatigue infused game one uh, what are you looking forward to in game three this evening between Vegas and Dallas with that series tied at 1-1 I think more of the same. You know, coming out of the qualifying round in the round robin, I really thought Vegas was the team to beat. They are so deep. They just looked like they had all the pieces. And then, then I got to work the Colorado-Dallas series and get to know those teams really well. And Dallas is so impressive to me, even with a couple games where they were a little bit, maybe a little more sluggish and Colorado took it to them. Um, you know, I think the big question mark for Dallas is can Hudobin withstand game after game after game with no break, right? You've got the Leonard Flurry back and forth. So they've got, they've got a little bit of a mental break for those goalies. Um, and I know that Ettinger played, uh, played it, came in for Hudobin, but I, that's the one question mark. But you look at the way Dallas 
plays and the way they, they I mean, Klingberg, how impressive is, has that guy been? Just following yeah. the, the play up and burying rebounds and then being back on defense. And the same thing, obviously, Haskinen is, is the secrets out on him for sure. Um, but you look at Vegas, and I think that they still have everything that they need to get to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, you know, I think that first game where they lost one nothing and were sluggish, maybe didn't have their legs three games in four nights, all these different excuses, it's still the playoffs. So they that's a little bit of a wake-up. And, and perhaps for them, a stumble prevents a fall, and they, they don't want to let it go. Now, those two teams I mentioned before, they're heavier, I think. They, they, it's a physical series. You get Jamie Benn cranked up. You get some of those guys that are, are really going to start throwing their weight around. The, the question mark will be whichever one does make it to the Stanley Cup final are they too beat up to meet up with whether it's Tampa or the Islanders right is it do they beat on each other so much that they sort of limp to the final or do they carry a little bit of of momentum and that's going to be the interesting thing for me to see over the next couple games of the Western Conference final good stuff all right you know AJ before I let you go you've mentioned occasionally uh you know you got your four children different schools different things going on but you have a you have a goalie in the mix do you not can you believe that? I don't know what I did to make the hockey gods mad. Hockey mom, but a goalie mom of all things. Well, see, that's what I wanted to know. I'm a hockey dad, but I, I wondered. My sense is being a goalie mom is completely different from being a hockey mom in general or a hockey dad. And I wonder, do you? Are there times where, you know, like, are you? Do you have to pull back from saying, well, I, you know, would you, would you have had better angles here, or why are you playing the puck here? Like, do you offer goalie assistance, or is that out of bounds? Well, so it's interesting. I'm a better goalie mom when I'm on the bench. So when I'm coaching the team, which I've done this year, I'm not coaching his team. And he actually has a tournament this weekend. I'm not sure I'll see any games because I'll be working the Islanders series. But I I don't because I'm not a goalie. And actually, there are times that I'll ask Brian Boucher uh, about things because I can just look at my son and say, I, I got a lot of daylight on your glove side. What are you doing? You know, and I, I you know, so I, I trust that he and he'll tell me stuff. Right. He'll come right back at me and say, well, no, no, no. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do this. He loves the poke check. You know, it's go for the glory, go big or go home. So there are things that drive me crazy about that. But you know what? He has fun. He loves it. I I sweat it out if there's a shootout or overtime or those sorts of things. But it's all fun. And, and what can you do? You know, I think the position chooses the kid. <laughs> well, the, the good thing about in, in our house is that I have so little hockey talent that there's really not a place for me to be offering much of uh, of my opinion. So it's probably just as well that it works out that way. So. The funny anyway. thing with, with my son, though, is I did early on, I tried to get him out of the, that position. I I think, should I just ping some pucks off his head? Will that drive him out of the net? Didn't work. <laughs> Good stuff. AJ, thanks so much for hanging out with us today, and I hope you have a safe drive and everything goes well with the kids back to school and COVID protocols. And uh, always look forward to your call on NBC or MSG. And uh, you should always uh, check out AJ's work on those networks, and you can follow her on Twitter at AJ Malesko. So, AJ, thanks very much. Drive safely. Oh, thanks for having me, Scott. Always fun. All right. That was that was so much fun. Very cool. Um, can't imagine having four kids and trying to figure out how that is all going to work out, uh, including a goalie. One more day in this week. We'll be back tomorrow morning, as we always are, on Two-Man uh, two Advantage during the week. And Colby Cohen will be joining us. We'll be unpacking all things that unfold in the next 24 hours or so. You should always check out uh, Jeremy Rutherford, our good pal and... Uh, 
guest of the show frequently and his podcast we went blues and this week former blues goalie jake allen joins him and you should check out our comments section for each podcast episode at the athletic app and rate and subscribe to man advantage on apple and if you aren't a subscriber to the athletic subscribe now and say Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash twomanadvantage, you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. That's that's nothing. $1 a month. We hope to see you there. And just uh, as in case you didn't know, we just topped 1 million subscribers at The Athletic. So join the fun. You shouldn't miss out on that. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up again tomorrow morning.